0: today we jump into this and we answer a question. And the question is really simple. Why are you here? That is the age-old question that people have been asking for years, why was I created? I want to give you two answers to that question today, and I also want to juxtapose that against this idea that, well, let me say it another way, I want to show you why you were not made, why you're here and why you're not here. This is a discussion that Jesus is having with 12 disciples sitting on the hill. And in this discussion, his goal is to get them to think through their purpose. But their issues. Whenever you deal with people, you have to start with their view. Their view affects their approach. If they view things a certain way, you will never change them. Until their view changes, they don't change. As long as you believe certain things, you will do certain things. It's not until you change your view. And so the question is, how do you see things? Every now and then you have to stop and rethink everything. Everything you think, everything you believe. And you have to reconsider. Maybe your way of thinking hasn't worked out for you. Look at the results your thinking has brought to your life. It's easy to blame somebody else. No, my daddy did it, my mama did it, You know, friend did it, the community did it, white folks did it, black folks did it, the Asian people did it, foreign people did it. It's foreign aid, that's what did it. It's always somebody else. But could there not be a possibility that some of the dynamics of your life are tied to your thinking, tied to the way you process relationships, the way you communicate, the way you think you have the right to communicate, the tone you communicate in. And sometimes you just have to pause, and that's what we're doing this month, rethinking everything. Pull over on the side of the road, reconsider. Maybe this hasn't worked out for you. And if it hasn't worked out for you, what can you do to restart your life? There is a way to cut off the engine and cut on a new one. That could possibly happen for you, but you have to be willing to do that. In this series, I have been tackling these issues, and if you want to cheat, go to the back page, if you would please, in your sermon notes, at the bottom, I gave a list of all the sermons for the month. And on the back page, at the bottom notes, I said, called Summary of Series, I listed for you the first sermon we talked about, and I already highlighted it. it say, Rethink. Rethink. Come on, join me, people. Say, Rethink. Rethink. Everything. Everything. And that's, that's where we started. Talked about Rehoboam and talked about a guy who was in leadership and how he had to learn or consider that his father, Solomon, didn't make all the right choices. And that the people felt that he was too hard for them, demanded too much. And then we turn to talk about what I just spoke to you briefly about, rethinking your view and your approach. This starts in Matthew chapter 5, which is where we're going to be for the next couple of weeks, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This is, these are three chapters where Jesus tackles the way they thought. The Pharisees, the leaders, the religious people today had convinced the disciples to think a certain way. He came with a new mission for them. And this new mission, this new way of life, this new message of the kingdom they were going to teach people required a new way to think. And so he had to engage them. And he says, first of all, let me, if I can, tell you what blessing really is, blessed of the poor, blessed of the meek. He began to lay out for them, and I talked about this in some detail, what that all meant. It's a great thing to read in the Message Bible in particular. It's a great, great flow. I love the way that it breaks it down for you in simple terms. So you might want to read that on your own. Or Let's go back and watch it on, online if you desire to see it. Then, I, after talking about rethinking their approach, I, my, my point was that, that these disciples could not go any further without, without changing the way they thought. They, Jesus often said in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you've heard it said, but I say. You were taught this, but now I'm telling you that. In life, you run into those moments. You run into moments when you find out your family structure wasn't the best. Your parents did their best, but didn't always know the best. You you find that you didn't know the best. You did your best, but you didn't always know what to do. And so Jesus, in these three chapters, sets out to help them rethink things. And one of the most profound things he says is what we're going to talk about today. I want you to look back, if you would, please, at the beginning of your notes, Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 13. And I want you to listen to how he says it. It's so incredible. Let me tell you why you're here. Matthew 5, 13. Let me tell you why you're here. That grabbed my attention. When somebody sits you down and looks at you and says, let me tell you why you're here. I mean, that, that, that means we're about to hear something life changing. And he basically says, you are here to be salt seasoning. That brings out the God flavors of this earth. That's why you're here. Your basic purpose is twofold. You're designed to salt the earth and give it flavor. You're all about flavor. That's why you're here. You're also here to be light. And this light, he calls it, in the text we're gonna read in a minute, colors, which really has to do with clarity. He's gonna, you're here to bring salt and light. Say it with him please, come on. Salt and light. Go back to the verse, let me read it for you, and you'll see what I mean. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God, what? Colors, plural, in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as city as a city on a hill. Now, you've heard this another way in the New King James all of your life. Here's how you've heard it for years. You are the salt of the earth, right? Verse 14, you are the light of the world. You've heard it that way. Those are the terms you've used, but I love the way this version uses two key words that stands out to me. Everybody say flavors, flavors. And, colors. and colors. Every individual has a different flavor. When God comes into your life, you don't, you don't necessarily taste like everybody else that's a Christian or a believer. Life's experiences season you. They, they bring something out of you that's totally different. Your color is not the same as everybody else's color. All black people are not the same color. All white people, all Asian people. All people are not the same color. They're colors. I love the way he used the plural, colors. All of you, when God touches your life, there's something that happens in you and you become a unique person. Now these two verses, the salt and light verses I just read, really tend to talk about, in most people's mind, be an example. That's how people interpret it. The bottom line is, you be good, people will see you, and then boy, that's that's the big thing. And I get that, that's exactly what it means to some degree. But understand, you will never be an example like every other example. You will never be able to be exactly like Ricky Temple, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, I can never be exactly like you. I'm a unique flavor, you're a unique flavor. I'm a unique color, and you're a unique color. And if if God works in me, there's going to be something different. And I I need to, first of all, find comfort in that. I don't need to be paranoid and frustrated because I can't duplicate exactly what a person is. Whenever I mentor a leader, one of the things that they'll say at some point in the process with me is I can't be exactly like you. I say, great, now you got it. You can't. You can't teach exactly like me. You can't think about the text the exact way I do because all of my experiences have made me a certain way. There's a certain flavor that I have. There's a certain approach. There's a reason why I teach like this. There's a reason why I think the way I think. And I, I, I don't think that's bad or wrong. I think it's just unique to me. But that's, that's good to know. You are unique to you. And it might make you feel better to know that God doesn't want you to try to be like everybody else. He invites you to be a different color. He invites you to be a different shade. You are the shade, the colors of the world. You are a color to the world. You are a seasoning to the world. And the world needs that seasoning. There's something unique you bring that nobody else can bring. That's why God made it so clear to us in the way we're designed. Your 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 fingerprints. Everything about you has something unique. You can read one story. And you hear it a different way. That's what's great about the Gospels. You know, Matthew sees the same thing that Luke sees, the same thing that Mark sees, and comes with a different perspective. Says the same story a different way. Emphasizes something that the other one didn't. Because to this person, for their seasoning, for their, for their color, it, this is what was important to me. Luke was a physician, so he saw all the medical stuff. Matthew was a numbers guy. He saw all the numbers stuff. Mark just said, let's get through the story, please. Shortest book, right to the point like a movie. Forget all that other stuff. He went through the door. That's it. Let's just get to the point. There's something powerful about being clear that I can be me and be used of God. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. The problem is that sometimes in religious environments, we try to make everybody the same. And I can frustrate people. It can make people shy away. Some people are dressy people. Some people are not dressy people. Some people are suit and tie people. Some people are not suit and tie people. Some people are Mercedes Benz people. Some people are truck people. Some people are bike people. And God can take your seasoning, your uniqueness, and use it and bless people around you. The key thing is for you to embrace that. Here's what I think we do sometimes to ourselves. We we overwhelm ourselves with expectations that are unrealistic. Why would you look in the mirror and try to be somebody else? You can't look like that person. Your sister looks like your sister, your brother looks like your brother, that's it. You don't have their body build or their mate. It's just not possible for you. You can go to the gym and sweat and swim and push, and, but you will never look like that dude. That is just, that dude, excuse me for saying dude, but you get the point. That is just, that's just him, that's his gift. You know, I, you can practice singing, you can do all you want, but you will never sound like Luther Vandross. You can get lessons, you can get all, you know, I went and took piano lessons. And um, and I you know I really wanted to play, yeah I did I wanted to play. When I was little, my mother sent me off to get piano lessons, and um, I, and it was it um, was a horrible teacher. He was horrible. He shouldn't. He shouldn't I, I thought about it another day. He should never have taught piano ever. Uh, he used to have me sitting there writing bass clefs and treble clefs for hours as a kid. I thought, what what is this? Am I learning music? This is terrible. And my, my mother, you know, back in the day, you know, learned to play the piano, right? So I was one of those kids you sent to learn to play the piano. So I went to this class, and this terrible teacher was sitting there. He said, he had said to my mother, something about Saturday, he was doing special lessons, and he, he let me come for free. I went, no! <laughs> so, so anyway, long story short, uh, I remember he walked around with the, with the little, little ruler. And so I was just, he made you write the notes first, right? I guess that's how you learn. He's repetition, sit there and just write it 50,000 times and you know what a treble clef is or whatever, who cares? Anyway, so I'm sitting there and so I'm watching the kids who are a step ahead of me. They are playing the piano and when they hit the wrong note, he popped their fingers. I said, oh, I don't want to graduate. Why would I want to be promoted to that? So after sitting there for hours of torture and punishment, I lied to him. I said, my mom told me to come home early today. <laughs> he said, yeah, I did a lied. I said, my mom told me to come home early. And I was just a single parent trying to do something to advance her son, make sure she gets a real man, you know. So, so I, I, go, I go home, and I, I said, I, told, I lied to him. I told him I'd to come home early, and it was horrible, and I cried. And I said, don't send me back to that monster, man. And so I never went back. So in my mind, in my mind, I had this imaginary thought that maybe I should play piano, that that was really my destiny. It was only because of this guy who was a a bad teacher that I didn't get to my real destiny. So I always pretend and imagine that I'd play. So I was an adult, had money, decided I'd go get me some lessons. So I went to a class, got a private tutor. Here's my plan. I used to always tease the church about was I could play and I'd go over and I'd play. I've done a lot of bad things over there playing with them while they're playing. They would say, he's not going to play today. I would just play. Have you seen me do that before? I didn't. Yeah. How many of you have seen me do that? Yeah, okay, a few of you. Anyway, so I would go over, and I haven't done it recently, but I'd go over, while the band is playing their songs, I would be playing whatever comes to my mind. And so, uh, <laughs> so anyway, why did I tell you that? I shouldn't have confessed that. But anyway, so I I had this thing I needed to learn how to play. It's my, supposed to be my gift I never received. And uh, Ricky would just look at me, and he said, just give up, just give up. That's not your <laughs> gift. Uh, you're not, <laughs> not going to get there. So I was... Um, I was playing, I, I, I went to get lessons, and I was planning on coming to the church and shocking them. And I was gonna one day go over and really play something and, and blow the whole church away. I had this whole scheme planned. So I went to the lessons and I paid my money. Whose money did I pay? And I took one lesson, took two lessons, I took several lessons, and, and I just couldn't, it wasn't working. So I asked this question. I said, do you have any other students that have these kind of problems? She said, no. <laughs> so I quit right then I said this is it I'm done with you you don't have any faith in me and then I knew I was in trouble too when I was trying to practice when I was doing, I was playing Mary Had a Little Lamb because you got to start small right oh, this, is, this is a sad story this is but I'm telling it publicly so I you know I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm playing Mary Had a Little Lamb and I'm trying to play this thing and Ricky walks behind me you know, he can't play a piano. He's in the band, but he can't play the piano. What did I say he could not do? Play the piano. He had no piano lessons, none. He walks up behind me in the living room in our home and says, hey, Dad, you know, what are you doing? I'm practicing. I keep moving. And he says, that's not right, Dad. Oh, oh, really? Mr. Can't play the piano, never had a lesson? He says, da 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 I said, get out of here. You just leave. Just get out. It wasn't but a year or so later, he said, tell you what, Dad, let me get some lessons and I can play. He didn't have any, Ricky didn't have, Ricky, Ricky didn't, Ricky started playing, oh my goodness, was middle school? I'm just sure here, but middle school, something like that? He decided, OK, I want to play piano. He played drums. And then he just became, all of a sudden, this incredible piano player overnight, like with no, almost no lessons. Disgusted me, so I knew <laughs> that wasn't my flavor, nor was that my color. And I accepted it. How much time do you waste trying to be some color you're not? I mean, look, if you're bougie, you're bougie. <laughs> This is you. Be yourself. Be yourself. I mean, look if, you, look, if you're JQ, JQ, GQ, whatever you are, be that. That's who you are. You know, if you're a little ghetto, you're a little ghetto. You know, whatever. <laughs> You know, what I'm, I mean, I'm serious. Some people are just like that. They're just, they're just down home. They're not going to be, you know, my wife is jeans, and t- her favorite clothing is jeans and T-shirt. I mean, favorite of all time, favorite of all time. If you ask her what to wear, she's going to wear that. That's what she likes to wear. And so she's gorgeous as she wants to be. And I said, baby, and she said, isn't that amazing we got together?
1: <laughs>
0: isn't that just amazing? You and me. Different day and night. Loves it. I mean, it's just it's just it's, it's really important for you to see what Jesus was telling these 12 guys on the hill. Here's why you're here. You're here to be so your flavor with God's pure grace and presence pouring in your life. When you pour God into your life, when you pour God into your life, you're going to be a unique flavor. And that's why you're here. So that means Ricky Temple, preach like you preach, teach like you teach, be who you are. You're the color you are, accept it. Sometimes I, you know, I, f- I felt a little guilty, you know. Um, people said, well, you know, come on, crank it up. So I, I, I used to sing preach a lot when I first learned to preach. And I, I, I did that because people told me that's the color I had to be. I was trained to preach like that. You were trained to start off slow and then you work your way up and build to the time. And then, you know, you, that, and you, that, I was taught how to do that and I did it for years. Ran revivals doing it. I used to sweat out all my clothes. When I preached, I used to literally sweat out of my suits, literally. And um, some of you say, I can't imagine, but it's the truth. (laughs) But one day I I decided that wasn't my flavor. Every now and then, if I feel something, I might crank it up if I feel it. But, you know, praise God, this is Ricky Temple. Ricky Temple likes notes. Ricky Temple likes school. Ricky Temple likes learning. Ricky Temple likes book. That's him. I found my seasoning. Some of you need to find your seasoning. Amen. The reason you're unhappy is you're trying to be somebody else. Amen. So you gonna go home and say, "I discovered who I am. I am ghetto." <laughs> <laughs> Some of you go home and say, "Pastor Rick helped me find myself." <laughs> I'm gonna stop dressing up. It's just just me right here. You'd be surprised, some of that's liberating. Okay? And, I, and I believe you evolve. I believe your colors and your, and your flavors evolve. You know, I, I used to have to wear a suit. I used to have to wear a suit for emotional stability. I felt like I was out of uniform. I wore suits so much that my members didn't believe I owned jeans for years. I'm talking about 20 years. Many of them had never seen me in jeans. Is that right? I mean, always dressed up, always. And, and uh, I, I one day decided, I wanted to go on a suit strike. And I didn't wear one for months. It made a lot of members nervous. <laughs> what happened to him? Is going through a phase? <laughs> and so every now and then, now I feel free. If I feel like a suit, I wear a suit. If I want to wear a Levi's, you come in. I am on Levi's in a, in a shirt. I feel like I can change. And I think that's part of the joy of growing and seasoning. So some of you lift your hands and say, I need to find my seasoning. Come on. <laughs> It'll help your life, it'll help your marriage, it'll help you. Now that you understand why you're here, let me tell you why you're not here. There are two things I want to emphasize and two things Jesus talked about in Matthew 5 that I thought were profound. And both of these are different topics, but they were important because in the psyche of the people that he was talking to, he knew that they were thinking a certain way. He knew they were stuck in a certain way of approaching life. And one of them was they were big on vengeance. And to get them to where they needed to be, he wanted them to understand, this this can't be a part of your life. Because what they were going to do going forward was very, very difficult. What they were going to do going forward was very, very hard. What they were going to do, people were going to offend them. And if people offended them, they would have to, have to learn how to respond in a way that wasn't vengeful. Because if they were vengeful, which was the cultural norm, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, they would be locked out of opportunity. There are a lot of people they would never reach. And so I want you to watch with me as, as he gives this advice. And I wanted to read the New King James Version, Matthew 5 verse 38. Here's what he says. Matthew 5 38. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. Now, whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to the other to him also. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. That's what, When you're reading the Bible and you read a verse like that, you say, let me read that again. Let me read that again. Let me read that again. <laughs> verse four: if, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic or your house or your car or your whatever, let him have your cloak. So you want to take my jacket. Let him have it. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him two. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Wow. Now I, th- there's a way I can summarize this in, in just simple terms. Wimp. <laughs> if I be honest, I just being frank and honest. That just sounds wimpy to me. Like, I, when I was in school, kids came up to me. And told me this. I was in high school, and I came to Christ. They told me, said, "Hey, you know, I read in the Bible that if I slap you, Ricky, that you'll turn the other cheek." I told him, "I'm not that strong yet. <laughs> I'm growing. I'm still working on it. <laughs> if you slap me, I'm going to roundhouse kick you. I promise. If you slap me, I promise you, I'm going to give you one of them big roundhouse kicks. You don't." What in the world did you say to me? I know you're not serious. Am I really going to accept that? I don't think so. It was amazing. I, I, just, I just could not imagine that I, I didn't know what it meant. You, you know, you read this kind of verse, and you go, I don't know what it means, but it can't mean that. <laughs> Somebody said, please explain, Pastor. Please explain. Here's, here's what I believe he, he's saying to you. And I want to make sure you understand. You're not here to exact exact vengeance. That's not your main assignment. That's the main message. (coughs) Let me give it to you in the message Bible, and we'll tackle it a little bit more here. Here's another old saying that deserves a, a second look. This is Jesus comparing, you've heard it said, but I say, eye for an eye, you with me? Tooth for a tooth. Is that going to get us anywhere? Here's what I propose. Don't hit back at all. If someone strikes you, stand there and take it. If someone drags you in the court and sues for the shirt off your back, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use this occasion to practice the servant life. No more. This is is the big point, verse 42 in the Message Bible. No more tit-for-tat stuff. That's where they were stuck. This wasn't a call to be wimpy. This wasn't a call to be passive. This was a call to say, you guys have taken this too far. You live for vengeance. You are consumed with getting people. You are the person who goes on the job, and your job is to let everybody know what they don't know. Your job is to put them in their place. That's your job. You've been promoted to supervisor to fix up everybody. You are the law. You are the legal authority over over everybody. Everybody that hires you hired you for one reason, to tell them how dumb they are. Your job, your purpose, the reason you're here is to make sure that if someone doesn't do right, you fix it. You're always walking around with the justice mindset. When you go to the family reunion, you want everybody to know they're going to hell. Your job is to come in the room and set the tone. Hallelujah! That's you. You're a big Bible, beating everybody around the head. And If they say something wrong, they know what's coming. Because you mama. Mamas have a license. Daddies have authority. Big brothers can do what they want. Grab them. Handle them. Vengeance is yours, says you. You will repay. And they know the deal. But you're not here for vengeance. You're not here for an eye for an eye. You're not here to allow that to become your culture. You're not here. That's not the flavor. That's not the color. And it was ingrained in them. It was going to hinder any ministry they would ever do. They would never get beyond this point. They would never, ever get beyond this moment. Never. They would be dominated and controlled forever and limited. You know, a lot of people will never, ever, ever hear God through us because of us. They don't, it's not that they don't want Jesus, they don't want to be like you. They can't imagine Jesus being that mean and, that, and responding that way. Shut up! I was in the grocery store the other day and I got nervous for the kids. Stop it! I said, no! I said, just no, it's fine. No! No! I hope God tells you no. Your mean self. Big and strong, and looking down at a little squirt. A little squirt. That's what I said. Squirt. Yes. A little person, dominating, taking control. You're embarrassed, so you're going to embarrass them. It's all cute till later on in life. I-, I had to be careful as a parent that I wasn't vengeful. You have to be careful that you don't use your money in a vengeful fashion. You have to be careful that you're not punishing people. That you're not invoking some authoritarian power. And that's what Jesus wanted to uproot out of the disciples in the beginning. Hey, guys, rethink this. Rethink this whole approach, this whole eye for an eye things. I'm not saying be passive, and I want to show you a verse. Go back, I know you flip your notes over, but go back to the front page. Let me show you Ephesians 5:10. I'm not going to read it. Ephesians 5:10 through 17. This is that great verse where it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of the might, His might. Take on the whole armor of God." It's, it, it really, it really challenges you to be a person who who fights. I believe I believe in fighting. I mean, I don't, I don't want to fight, but um, <laughs> I I believe that you have a right to defend yourself. I believe that you have a right to. Um, come to church and be safe. That's why I have security because I believe you should come in here and it should be safe. Say amen. amen. Nobody should bother your car. Nobody should bother your stuff. Nobody should bother you. And 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 prayerfully nobody will bother me either. Amen. Praise the Lord. I I'm sorry. I just believe in that. Maybe you don't. But I just believe there's something important about being able to say, this is, this is, this is, this is God's way for me to live free, victorious, and without bondage. Now, a lot of people don't live this way. And I believe that God doesn't want us to live this way. God wants us to be free. And so God's not afraid of conflict. God's not afraid of strife. He's not afraid of us being um, focused and clear. I want to read a little bit to you for just a second. Uh, Ephesians chapter five, did I say chapter five? It's chapter six, I know that, I see that. Isn't that amazing? Don't you see things in life I'm sitting there saying, that's not right, but circle it and fix it. Ephesians chapter six, ready, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Look at that, we do not wrestle, wrestle against flesh and blood. So there is in God's mind and Paul's mind, a clear call to times with wrestling, struggle. So it's not, Jesus never really called us to become wimpy people who are passive. You know, we're kingdom people. And so there's a king, there's a kingdom, there's kingdom authority. But the balance for the disciples was they weren't thinking kingdom authority. They were thinking, they were, they were on, on a whole nother track that would easily become vengeful. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And he says that's not going to advance the kingdom. So I'm not here for vengeance. And secondly and finally, I'm not here for this purpose. Write this down. I'm not here for treasure. One of the great uh, temptations in life is to be all about money or be none about money. And when you're not about money and you're not about treasure, you try to find somebody with treasure when you don't have any. So it's easy for you to become extreme in this. Now, notice these two things. One, he says, guys, it's not about vengeance. Two, guys, you're not here for the purpose of just just finding treasure. Here's what Jesus said. This is important. This is in chapter um, uh, back to Matthew chapter six, verse 19. Do not lay for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be what also. That is the message. This is not in any way a a prohibition against prosperity. This is not in any way saying you're not here just to uh, you're, you're, you're here. You're it's not saying you're, you're not supposed to be uh, financially focused and advancing yourself. It, it's important to say that because Christians go people believe we go one way or the other. It's like it's, it's all money, 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 or it's no money at all. It's entrepreneurship or no entrepreneurship. I believe you have to have a balance. Many of you, your biggest problem is you have not balanced this idea in your mind. He talks to the 12 guys on the hill and says, guys, I want you to have a balanced view of treasure. Now, why is that important? Because these are guys who are entrepreneurs. They are fishermen. These are guys who work for a living. Every day is about getting up early, strong guys going out, hustling through the water and bringing some fish home, selling it. That's what we do for a living. The balance is you can't just live for that. You can't just live to make more money. You can't just live to retire. You cannot just live for that. If you do that, your heart gets tied there. And so there are three important things I want you to understand about treasure and three things that treasure reveals about you. Number one, it reveals the true state of your heart. Say that with me, please. Come on. The true state of your heart. Say it again. Come on. The true state of your heart. Your view of treasure will reveal the true state of your heart. Where is your heart? And you got to be careful that, as I said, it's not imbalanced. And I can't say this enough. I'm not trying to say you shouldn't be focused on financing your future and building your future. I think a church that's not focused on financing its future and building its future is being foolish. I think a church that's not focused on a family that's not focused on Advancing your life, that's not wise. But the problem is when that's all you live for. And if you're not careful, it can reveal the true state of your heart. Secondly, it can, it can, it can have an impact on and, and show the possible place you will end up in life. You can end up in a place where your treasure is. And if that's your job, that's where you'll end up. You can end up with just a church as a pastor, just a business as a business guy, no family. Listen to how he says this, and I put this in bold prints for you. The place where you, let me read the whole verse, verse 19. Don't hoard treasure down here, where it gets eaten by moth and, and, and uh, corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasures in heaven, where it is safe from moth and rust and burglars. It is obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. And so, three important things your treasure reveals. Number one, the true state of your heart. And number two, the possible place you will end up in life. I've seen so many people end up with just an education because that's what they treasure. That's all they talk about. That's all they dream of. That's where they believe their power is. And so, they're always talking about education, 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 education. Don't just end up with a job. I don't want to just end up with the church. I don't want to just end up with buildings and properties. I don't want that to be my treasure. These guys were fishermen. These guys, their treasure could just be their work. And he says, where we're going, you got to rethink this. you got to rethink how you view money, how you view advancing. Not saying that it's wrong. It's just you can't allow that to be all you live for. And the third thing it reveals is the God you choose to worship. Now I want you to listen to what he says. So he said, Your eyes, verse 22 of Matthew chapter 6, your eyes are your windows. I love this. Your eyes are, your, are windows into your body. If you open your, your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills with light. So if you open your eyes, you can see the light, and your, your whole body is filled with light. If you live squint-eyed, like this, In greed and distrust, your body is a a dark cellar. A dank cellar, it says, but it's a dark cellar. Imagine for a moment, you're you're in this state where your whole life is about making more money. And he's trying to compare what happens to you. And he says this, if you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. If you just pull the blinds in your life and all you see is money... He says, you have a dark life. That's pretty profound. He said, you can't worship two gods at once. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one god, you will end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. In the New King James, it says, With God and mammon. This is, again, not a call against money. It's, a, it's simply a response to a very powerful trap. The trap is you can become so dominated by treasure that that's all you think about. And so he talks to the 12 guys on the hill, and he says, guys, I know these are things you haven't thought about. Because in your culture, it's all about treasure. In your culture, it's all about kicking out the Romans, striking vengeance. But for you to get to where I want you to be, for you to be blessed, you got to redefine everything in your life. Mourning, meekness. you got to redefine everything. And I want to say to you, for some of you, You've got to redefine a lot of things for God to bless you. Pull over on the side of the road. Start with this today. Why am I here? I'm here to be my unique flavor, my unique color. I'm here to be what God's made me to be. No more guilt for who I am. I embrace who I am. But I'm not here to get my daddy back. I'm not here to get my cousin back. I'm not here to get somebody back. I'm not here just to make money. Broaden your vision of who you are. It's amazing what happens when some people come into treasure and money. Sometimes they lose themselves, because now they have no sense of purpose. Why do so many celebrities, once they get money, and people who are wealthy get so much money, why do they go to on drugs? Why would you be on drugs? It's not like you'd be on drugs when you have nothing. When you're driving a Jag and you're living in a mansion, you're on drugs. I was listening to this guy the other day who went to jail for killing somebody who offended him at a nightclub. I'm thinking, you just won the Super Bowl last year. You're making a million, multi-40 million dollar contract. You're living in a mansion. You're driving a fancy car. Why do you care that somebody knocked your drink out of your hand? Get another one. You can afford it. Buy him one, two. Don't buy him anything. All right, you yeah. know, watch. It. Bad advice, preacher. Bad advice, bad advice. <laughs> but you get the point. I'm saying, what is it What is it in your life that's, that's made you so empty and so angry that you have to go outside, open your hood, get your gun out, the, out the hood, you hide it in the hood of your car, get the gun out, and then go follow the person to a nightclub, wait for them to come out, drive by and shoot them. You don't even know their name. But what is this about? With your 40 million dollar contract it's, it, it says it says this has got nothing to do with money God has given you a lot of things and you're still lost he gave you a husband you know you don't like him gave you a wife you don't like her Gave you a job. You want to quit. Move you to Savannah. Now you hate Savannah. Slow Vanna. You got to get out of here. So now you're going to go to Atlanta and hate Atlanta. And then you're going to go to Memphis and hate Memphis. And then you're going to go. Let me see this if you lived in? Come on. Pause for a second. What is it? Okay. So you wanted the clothes you got on. Now you think they're old. Now you okay. So pause. At what point you wanted kids. Now they're getting on your nerves. Okay. So at what point? I watch guys, and I'm done when I say this. I watch guys, I do a lot of leadership training, and I watch guys say to me, oh, man, boy, it must be great. It must be great. Oh, man, oh, boy, it's just so. And anything I do or places I go, there are opportunities, you know, you share. and you, Oh, boy. And I want to say, oh, you, you think this is the old boy thing? It's the, you can, when, you, when I finish preaching today, if I did a good job, you know what you're going to do? Go that way. Now some of you are gonna come this way, not just to prove to me. You so, say, "No, nah, I'm gonna come that way today." I'm gonna... But most not, not, most people go, and I, you should please kind of the service. It's okay to go that way, but but I can't live, I can't live for the glory of any moment. I have to be, I have to embrace my color, my seasoning. I'm not here for your glory. If I need your glory, you will never give me enough of it. Do you understand? That? Can you get that? Come on, come on. You'll never give me enough of it. Some of you have children, and you're so mad with your kids because you think they're supposed to give you something. Didn't you figure this out? This is a one-way ticket. You're going to always give them more than they give you. you understand? That's, that's what they're supposed to be. And they tell me that when your grandparent, is worse. That's what they tell me that. I'm doing my research. This Wednesday, I'm going to find out in Jesus' name. We're going to see. We're going to find out. But here's the deal. I need you to just leave this place today happy. Happy. Blessed. Freeing everybody. No expectations. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, in Jesus' name. Pray your spirit would bring healing to hearts. People who've always looked for somebody's seasoning is, I could just be like him, man. If I could just have what she has. Pray they look in the mirror and say I'm glad for what I have. Amen. Glad for who I am. My body's not perfect but it's my body, at least it's moving. My children are not their children, but they're my children. It's all good. I pray we leave free today. Lifted in our spirits. Clear in vision. Lift those hands up high, would you? Bless them to be happy today. We are salt, we are light. We're different seasonings, and we're different colors, flavors. Help us to embrace who we are. Pour your life into us. Let us be uniquely touched by you and make a unique difference wherever we go. I pray for people here who don't know you. Their lives have not been in line with your will. But today they want to give Jesus their lives and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life today. Heal me, touch me, deliver me, free me. Bless me. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that when we leave this place, they would never be the same. Those who have never served you, may this be the beginning day when you pour your your light into their life and they become a unique color. I pray that people would taste God when they encounter them. A touch of goodness and grace would flow through their lives. In Jesus' name. Now, with every hand down, every head bowed for just a moment, if you say, Pastor, today, I got what you said and I needed to give my life to Jesus, I wanted you to know, Pastor, this is the day when I do that. This is the day when I come to God like I am, imperfect, flawed, but I want God to become the leader of my life.